G'day everybody and welcome to X-Band episode 52. Yes, we are flying through them this month. We have a lot of, lot of uh, cool stuff coming out, so we want to uh, get them out to you so you've got lots of things to listen to uh, while you're driving to, to meet all your family and stuff like that over Christmas. So with us as as usual, we have Stephen and Dan. How are you going, guys? I'm good, Jermaine. Yourself? Yeah, pretty good, mate. Pretty good. Um, I hear you finished work. Yeah, knocked off work. Uh, yeah, last night, and um, and I, you I saw, still hung over as well, huh? I, I saw a post the other day that um, the, the more alcohol you have one on, you know, on one day, you're taking happiness away from the day after. So uh, I've taken a bit of happiness away from today, but um, but <laughs> we're going to get back on track with this podcast, I think. That's good. And Dan, you've been on holidays for a little while, I believe. Yeah. Um, anyone who's been reading Chronicle Chamber, g'day, boys. Good to good to talk to you again. But anyone who's been uh, reading Chronicle Chamber over the last, well, since the start of December, has probably recognised that I've got a bit more time on my hands and uh, not at work, so I've got a bit of time to post a few things. So I've been enjoying that. And the wife hasn't given you a long list of things that she, that she needs you to get done. Yeah, I managed to um, start those and, and try and get them done in the half hour or so before she arrives home. So um, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> really made sure that we can frantically load the dishwasher and, and hang clothes on the line in the in the half hour to 20 minutes before she gets back. <laughs> smart move, smart move. All right, guys, so we have comics and news, and we're going to touch upon a few things. So we're going to try and go uh, try and go as quick as possible, but still be in depth with our discussions because, you know, obviously these are things that are worth discussing. So first of all, we're going to go with the comics. Now we're starting all the way back in 1767, which was released. When were these released? These were released what back in November, so about a month ago. So we've got a few issues. Okay, so Predators Road seven. 1967, which also came with Heart of Darkness, Chapter 3, Part 1. So, guys, what are your thoughts about the Predator's Road story? Oh, yeah, that was, um, was like a, a prequel for uh, General Bababu, wasn't it? Like a, yeah, like yes. a bit more story. to the backstory. Yeah. Hmm. Which um, yeah. I thought helped, because like, it's been a while since we've had um, the, the, I was going to say the good old general, but he's not that good. Um in a Phantom comic, but it's nice to see a return to, to one of the um, the rogues gallery. You know, the Phantom doesn't have much of a rogues gallery, but um, uh, the general was definitely up there, and it's nice to see a return to him and yes, hear a bit more exactly. about his character. Mm. Dan, what do you reckon? You enjoyed the yeah, story? Yeah, I, I really did enjoy the story. I found that, uh, like, I enjoyed finding out a little bit more about where he came from and, and why he is who he is, and, and that idea of he was bullied as a child and um, you know, uh, has brought that resentment and uh, anger with him to his future. I did find it a little bit oddly placed in terms of trying to stick it into fandom history somewhere because at the start when he's having his nightmares he, he and he's stuck in the hospital, he talks about how I was president, I used to be president, how have I ended up here? So he's clearly, clearly that far along his journey. Um, but then the story finishes, and um, people should have read it by now, so... Um, its story finishes with him getting knocked out while he's still a captain and he hasn't become the general or, or led any rebellions or any of that other stuff we know him about. So um, that was all a bit a bit 
oddly placed um, in, in that regard for me. But um, other than that, yeah, to find out a little bit about the – to give the character some depth um, was really enjoyable and, and to, to, to mm. find out a little bit about where he came from. Exactly. I think with your point, it could be that there could be another part coming up. Um, yeah, that'd be or, good. Or the other possible situation. Like, I don't know if you remember um, uh, the original Lee Fork stories, but in this, he was on the colonial side, so like the, the pony side. Hmm. And then in the um, Lee Fork stories, it actually makes mention that he'd switched sides when the war was almost over. Um, so he basically, like, turncoat, it was a turncoat, you know, like, oh, no, we're losing this, I want to go for the other and fight for the other guys. So which which like, is perfect for his character to be treacherous yeah. but always try to be yeah. on the side of the winner and whatever, yeah. So, yeah, so I guess with the whole um, uh, why he is captain, I wonder if we are going to get a second part or whether... You know, it's kind of like seeing we already know his history from this point when they start losing the war, whether we just got the first part and we're not going to get this part because we already know it because it matches with the fork story. Yeah. No, I thought it was good. And, and that point you made about um, the the colony and that sort of thing, I noted that it was um, it, it specifically pointed out that Bengala was a colony of Britain. And mm. um, I think that's hinted at a lot in, in past stories, but this is the first time that I can specifically recall where they've actually called it out and named Britain as the, as the colonial power, so I thought that was interesting in itself. Yeah, I think the only other vague reference was the, was the cricket match that we got uh, earlier on this yeah. year. Yeah. You can call it a cricket match. <laughs> yeah, we're in pads of silly, mid, silly midwicket. <laughs> or bowling. <laughs> yeah. Um, I really, uh, I didn't, Oh, no, I was just going to say that I also enjoyed the way that the the story was written from his point of view and the whole thing was mm. uh, it's, it wasn't, you know, looking over the shoulder of the Phantom the whole time. It was his point of uh, – was Baba Boo's point of view. And mm. that might explain – because I, I didn't particularly enjoy Bardet's art in this particular one, um, particularly the Phantom himself. He did look overly muscle-bound and steroid-induced and this sort of thing. But um, I, by the end of the story, I was able to – uh, make peace with that, I suppose, by by going, oh, well, it's it's Bababu's point of view, and that's probably how he interprets this person who's constantly mm-hmm. thwarting his plans and that sort of thing. That's I didn't, I didn't mind the artwork. I thought it was um, yeah. better than that one, um, the last one he drew or illustrated. Um, yeah. The, the no longer cross-eyed. Yeah. No, it was probably just the representation of the Phantom himself that I oh, yeah. had an issue with, so... Mm. So the the other question that I have regarding this is it is it going to be a mini saga because you got to remember where it sits with uh, the storyline of Sandel Singh where Sandel Singh in present day has lost the presidency um, you know they're not aware of where she is she's turned her back to raise the child and et cetera et cetera so I wonder if this is going to be uh, his op whether they're going to be creating the story for Babubu to go into that, into the role of presidency over Bengala. It seems to have opened up that way now that you've just yeah, reminded mm. us about that. I didn't think of it at the time, but um, yeah, now that you make mention, yeah, why not bring him back and, um, and, and do something there? 
Mm. Well, with with Ramethi being the the common author there, I suppose you'd like to think. Well, if it was me writing it, I think I'd struggle to keep track of all of these different uh, story concepts and, and ideas at the same time. So maybe they are all part of one big thing that's all going to come together at the mm. at the end. Although you know, Lee Fork uh, could have been accused of doing the same thing, and he wasn't particularly great at keeping all of those things together and, and finishing off plot lines. So maybe Ramethi's not going to either. We, let's see. Hmm. I guess, yeah, exactly. We'll just have to see. So moving on to Heart of Darkness, did you guys uh, have a good read of this and follow through with that? Oh, I did. I did. <laughs> yeah. And that's the problem with it, isn't it? That this is, well, five issues ago. And, um, yeah, it, it's just probably not regular enough to, to keep up with it properly, I think. Yeah, um, yeah, you raise a good point because in the latest, um, obviously, like with uh, the next two Phantom issues, you weren't able to fit it in, which is one seven six eight and one seven six nine, which we will discuss. But then you've got uh, the two Phantoms world where they've filled it up with a filler about filming, uh, which I think is probably valid. Um, but then in uh, 171, which is Phantom's World number three, they've got a Charlton story. So it, it's almost a, a do if you, uh, you know, damn if you do and damn if you don't, if you put the next Heart of Darkness in with the Phantom's World. So yeah. in a sense, they're almost two separate titles. Yeah, oh, I recognise that. It's just, it's it's an odd little story because the Phantom himself, for instance, does Doesn't not appear, appear at all mm-hmm. in this Heart of Darkness. And... Uh, unless you recognise one particular character from the previous two chapters, um, there seems to be no connection between this little snippet and anything we've read before in Heart of Darkness. So um, it's sort of hard to, to place where it's going to be in the plot, and then given that it's it's months that we're getting between um, excerpts, hard to hard to, to follow it, I suppose. It is. I still think it's important that they keep with it. Um, but, oh, you yeah, can I, stop it now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I um, I think it's still as 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 much as there's the delay, which can be a little bit jumpy and stuff like that. I still think it's a must um, to do, and I think they've probably handled it the best they can with um, with uh, putting it in as as much as possible. Yeah, I do, I do wonder if it would have been better if, um, and, and, and like you say, damned if you do, damned if you don't, if they had released, for instance, Chapter 1 and all seven parts as a single through issue and then five or even ten issues later released Chapter 2 and then people would be complaining that they were too far apart. So you can't yeah. win, I suppose. Yeah. yeah, the only problem with doing it like that is that you then have all of these comics that um, are going to be finishing... At page 24, and then you're going to be having eight pages, yep. or ten pages, or whatever, with no stories. So, yeah, that's a I think I think it's the best way. I think this is the best way to do it. And um, there's been a few uh, through letters where people have kind of complained a bit about the heart of darkness, but I don't think there's any other way around it. And I think they've probably handled it the best way. I must say, if we're going to talk about the the story itself. Um, I did enjoy one particular part, which was on the first page, where the reporter's in his phone box and he's calling uh, someone, Doug. Yeah, there's something huge coming. I can't go into detail. It's front page news. It's the year's biggest scoop. 
you know, raving about this thing that he's about to 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 drop on everybody. Um, uh oh, something's just come up. I've got to go. Uh, that <laughs> and can't talk anymore because a girl in a thong bikini has just walked past. So, you know, this this great news, the the scoop of the year. Uh, oh no, there's a girl in a g-string, so I've got to go. <laughs> I wonder how many times that's happened. <laughs> like this uh, is so, probably a few times. Yeah. That amused me. And look, the rest of the story, the art is fantastic. I oh, mean, as you flick through it, isn't it? Mm. So, um, you know, and I really like the the, very, the different size frames and, um, you know, it's, it's visually fantastic. And, it, and I guess that's part of why it's so frustrating that it's so long between drinks, so to speak, because they're very, very tasty and you just want to, you know, have them all, all at once. Mm. All righty. Uh, anything lastly you want to add, Steve, before we move on to fish wall? Uh, no, I'm all good, but I just noticed that in the um, in the fandom forum there on the back page, they do have another little snippet of the um, of the cricket match there that we we're just talking about. Yeah, yeah there yeah, it is. I'll, yeah. Although um, uh, he's a little bit late. Andrew's a little bit late in pointing that out because we pointed it out months ago. He really <laughs> needs to listen to the podcast. <laughs> I think it's something that just about every Australian who picked up that <laughs> issue has taken umbrage to because we all know what a cricket match should look like and it doesn't look like that. <laughs> I, um, I wonder how many emails Dudley's got about that. <laughs> <laughs> As if it was his fault. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Alrighty, guys, so let's move on to 1768 Fish Wall. Now, this has got a beautiful cover by Shane Foley, really enjoying his work. And it is a fun little action story with Kerry uh, LePan, the artist, who's done some brilliant work, and Norman Walker, or Walker, Walker, um, which is one of the most underrated fandom writers, in my opinion. So, what do you think of this? Uh, Dan, we'll let you go first. Uh, look, uh, you, you mentioned the cover, and I just absolutely love it. And what I re- one of the things I really like about it is it's clearly commissioned from the story. It's not like here's a panel, try and replicate it. It's um, mm. here's the story, read it, and see what you can come up with. Because this fight that's on the front cover never happens in the story. So yes. um, uh, that that whole scene, and and it is a, a wraparound. Um, you know, that's that's all been Shane Foley's uh, interpretation. Um, mm. It probably led to uh, – I, I was disappointed that um, – have I written his name down here? Old mate with the um, the, the metal cool. arm. Yes. Um, he probably was only a minor character, as it turned out. Like, he was the major villain for the first half of the story, and then we met the big bad guy after him, and I was probably a bit disappointed that he – you know, we didn't find out why he had a metal claw and why what, what his story was, so – Maybe Clay Smith can, can fill in some backstory for us there or something. But uh, look, as a whole story, I really enjoyed the premise of it. Um, sorry, no, I've noted that the premise seems odd. Actually, um, I don't know why the pirates are stealing fish, um, and and the Wombezi and Lalongo. I've made, read many stories where they go to battle over their cattle, and um, where, you know who's got the, the grazing grounds and that sort of thing. I've never read a story where they're upset about who's getting the fish um, mm. and, and so they can feed it to their pigs and that sort of thing. Maybe it, w- it would have made more sense to me if instead of being Lolongo, maybe it was the Maori fisherman instead. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's, that's um, a good point. But other than that, like the, it's a really entertaining story with lots of really cool phantom elements um, that, that come from folk history, I suppose, yeah, from Eden and the dolphins and the 
the way that he's stopping wars and there's a, a bunch of old jungle sayings and he goes to a bar and stops a fight and he works alone and he saves a romance and he scares the bad guys and it's all it's all that fantastic typical um orc tropes i suppose and 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 that speaks to what you're saying about norman worker and um his ability as an artist to to take all of those existing things that certainly i love and um turn them into a a new story that's interesting and entertaining and fun yeah and i, yeah. I agree I, I reckon it's very much it's a, it is a very folk non-folk story so yeah yeah, yeah very much done and it's got all the elements like like you said um Eden there with um, Nefredi and Solomon. You got pirates who were on the waters, and um, Phantom's always good when he's on water and he's, um, you know, chasing down, uh, knocking off the bad guys. You know, I'm just going to repeat everything you've just said, but yeah, um, stopping a tribal war. Yeah, these because these are the same things that I know. All these, you know, fantastic elements that we got in the newspapers when you know we first found the Phantom. And yeah, and they've returned in this comic. And I, I think I, I said um, when when I first read it and I messaged you guys, great story, crap name, but great story. <laughs> really, I, I thought the name was great. Well, um, Fish War. Oh, yeah, that, 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 <laughs> that really sparks the imagination. That one, yeah. Um, <laughs> well, what would you call it? I don't know. Cool. We'll never forget it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> One thing that I have noticed is that if you look at page 31, all the frames all of a sudden get really, really small and compact. Yeah, Where up sure. until then, it's really big, open frames. It's kind of like um, uh, he'd drawn the story and then he almost got told to redraw the story and fit it back into the normal, uh, the normal page on it. Yeah. Well, I actually, I noticed the same thing and I went back and, and had a look. And up until... Page um, 31, as you said, most of the frame, uh, most pages have got between six and eight panels on every page, and then mm. the last four go 14 panels, 14 panels, 14 panels, 16 panels on the last page. It's a very fast-paced ending, um, where you just go, wow, there's so much action happening all of a sudden. And, and bringing yeah. it down to those small panels actually adds to the newspaper style. Yeah. I think. Yeah. I don't know. I, to be honest, I haven't decided whether I liked it or whether I wish the pages, the panels were a little bit bigger. Well, I think if you could Those have gone to 40 pages and, and spread them out, that might have been nice. Yeah. But it's int- I just thought it was interesting picking that up. Well, I hadn't picked it up until you just pointed it out then. <laughs> all right. Anything else you want to add or should we move on? Uh, that's story, covered all my stuff. Art. Yeah, I enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, and, it okay. and it does go to show, because that's from 1981, it goes to show mm. that um, those, those old stories still hold um, hold water, pardon the pun, uh, today. So. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Now, 1769 is my favourite series, the Collector's <laughs> Replica series. Now, I think we agreed that we were just going to skip them from all of our podcasts reviews is that what we agreed on uh, look that was said um i've i've uh i've, I've changed my mind this, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> uh, i i don't think we're paying and i don't think we're paying the collector series enough due um and and maybe i'm a bit colored from going to the art show at the tweed over the weekend and, and i know we're going to talk about that later but um these old have stories you become I, even, have you become even more focused than you possibly could I, be before 
It was have a very all the, Have all of the <laughs> focus corrupted you even further? I, I just think that these and and it was. It, was really telling because Governor and Susie, which is to, uh, part one and part two in this story, is a huge influence on the Phantom Art Show. Like some of the really uh, biggest and iconic pieces in the art show um, come from that particular story, and um, and so we talked about that a bit. And it was really it was you know really serendipitous, I suppose, that this was the most recent Wilson McCoy that had been published and 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 at the time and they sold all the replica series in the um, gift shop but none of the other phantoms and and it was just appropriate and oh uh, look if you look at the stories this is why the phantom is the phantom what what Lee Fork was doing back in the fifties and sixties and and forties um, that's established the character and I think we probably need to. Record these things a little bit more regularly, so that we're going to we only have to talk about three issues, and we can stop and talk about these stories properly. Because I worry that the modernists look at this, go right, I'll file that bag, it don't even look at it, and and don't remember reading it, and don't go back and dip in and enjoy it like they they should, and um, cuddle into it. It's a, a fantastic. I really enjoyed going back and reading these again. So, just for the record, would. Governor, the Governor and Susie probably be, I know it is mine, but would it probably be one of the top fandom stories and probably one of the top one or three to three top Wilson McCoy stories? Would both of you agree with that one? We'll say yes. Oh, I think, <laughs> yeah. Yeah, look, without without having a list of Wilson McCoy stories in front of me, um, it certainly is, an, and I think I've said iconic already, but it's just one of those stories that, jumps out at you when you're thinking about old school phantoms so um you know there's so much going on and and even these two episodes that it was published in was heavily edited um but there's just so much action there and and so much personality of the phantom comes out and the way that they're you know hiding in haystacks and he just doesn't flinch when the um, bayonet is shoved into his, his into his thigh um and you know just there's there's so much fantastic stuff uh in these old stories so I think we need so, to stop and, and look at them more closely. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't Fair think enough. the issue is the old stories. Like, I'd, you know, I'd love to 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 read the old stories myself, but it's the fact that they're you know edited and and, and what have you, rather than getting the, the the full picture. That's always been my issue with it. Yeah. Yeah, and I guess the other issue that we have is. You, you you open it up. One seven five is part two. And then you flip through the pages to 174, and it's part one. Now, I know they make mention of it in the message from the publisher and stuff like that, but I wonder just how many people, especially because we make mention that do not read the message from the publisher before you read the comic. <laughs> See, I've changed um, now. I've, I've gone back to doing that first because I reckon you've gotten better at not um, spoiling the plot. So I've actually gone back to reading that first. Yeah. And I think the replicas are ones you definitely should read first because you get a greater appreciation. No, no one's reading this and seeing the story for the first time. Um, you know, very modern fans, I suppose, but for the most of us, this is not the first time we've read this story. So to read Barry Stubblefield's introduction and to you know get that little those little snippets about oh this was the first time that this particular old jungle saying was said and th- those are really quirky parts of history that are that are just fantastic to know and then appreciate as you um, read through it again. So, 
Yeah, um, uh, my issue is the same as what Steve's is, is that we're getting stories that are heavily edited. Because mm. I think it's, and I've had this, we've had we've had this discussion uh, outside of the podcast where I think it's important, as much as I'm a modernist and I love getting new stories, I still think it's important that we get the classics because the classics build the mythology, the legend of the Phantom, uh, keep the focus and the traditionalists and the crusty old old people happy, and it's a nice blend. And I think they are stories that the new people, like the new collectors or the new fans, should be reading because they get a greater appreciation of the Phantom. And so I completely agree with that, but I feel like they're getting you know, a piece of secondhand dried toast rather than crisp, clean, unedited stories. That's, that you know, and I think it's kind of like they're, they're finding that that mix right, but they're yeah. kind of missing and not paying full tribute to the fork stories by giving us edited versions. Yeah, that, and that's a fair call. I know, like, obviously through the 90s when Jim, Shep- Jim Shepard started... Um, publishing the the completely unedited for the first time stories they were massively popular and with good cause mm. um, with it, but that, they weren't that, always that a... they weren't always unedited so no. a lot of the times when you know Jim said they were unedited they weren't unedited so oh, okay. he, he did kind of stretch the truth a few times back in the day um, if you look carefully there's a few chopped panels and there's a few um, uh, a few little date, uh, like when they've got the date, like they've got the date, they'll have little little rubbed out and stuff like that as well, and or they've been trimmed, um, and then later on they became squashed and resized and stuff like that. So they weren't actually, yeah. a lot of them weren't truly unedited. Yeah, and I'm sure I remember reading in the message from the publisher back in the day that um, he did acknowledge that they still had to make them fit into a resized comic book sort of thing so um look whether you know i'm sure there's some truth to that but by the same token maybe there maybe there is scope for fruit to do something more to because the replica series are fantastic but like you say people would, would prefer the unedited versions and maybe they do need to come up with something to to keep um those fork things coming out i did a, just a, a quick spot of research and there's over no over 340 Lee Fork stories between the dailies and the Sundays, um, and I'm sure, and I know that some of those are doubled up, but even so, there'd be there'd be close to 300 unique Lee Fork stories that you could dip back into and um, reprint in their unedited versions, um, many of which that wouldn't have been published in the last 20 or 30 years. And even though those back issues are available and you can buy them on eBay or whatever, um, to have like you say a fresh and and New looking version of it come out, and whether that's colour or or however they do it, um, I think there's scope for more Lee Fork stories in the run. Uh, yeah, I think the mix is probably right at the moment. Um, with you know, like with the so they're basically doing three every. I think it's on average uh, there's about three or four, probably about four or five of them a year. So I think that mix is about right. I just, and we can probably argue over the mix whether it's right or wrong, but I think we can probably 
all agree that maybe the the production of it needs to be looked at. But anyway, I think in rehearsal yeah. I said that this conversation would go for sixty seconds, so I apologise <laughs> that we're now dragged out. <laughs> okay, so moving on, um, I think we definitely gave the Collector's Replica series a good plug. Uh, it's probably been our nicest review of it, I would say. So. Well, before, before we move on, what are, like we've got the governor, um, the governor and Susie. What, what's the other story that's in there? The reporter. <laughs> the reporter. The reporter, which is another classic. It's I love fantastic. That story. Mm. You know, these are great stories, especially these these two stories. As like seriously, because people say, and the criticism with Wilson McCoy is that it's simplistic. Uh, there's no backgrounds, uh, it's cartoonish. You know, yeah, there's definitely the cartoon element, but if you look at the backgrounds, you can't say that they're, um, they're simplistic backgrounds. Some are, like in the replicas, some of the backgrounds are a little bit simplistic, but when they go into the jungle or underneath the well, um, it's not. If you look at the governor and Susie, it's detailed. So, Detailed background with the vegetation um, yeah. and at night time and stuff like that. You can't say that's simplistic. So the art's fabulous. The stories are, uh, are fabulous as well. Um, so, you know, these are great stories. But anyway. I'm speechless to hear you say all of that. That's the nicest <laughs> stuff I think I've ever heard you say about Lee Fork and, and the older stories. <laughs> no, no, no. Well, you know, I love... The Lee Fort classic, you know, classic stories, and you know, I read them all the time. I've got them in digital format on my computer at work, which I do work, but you know, no, so don't tell the wife this, but I can actually do more than one thing at a time. Um, <laughs> and so, you know, I always am rereading the, the Fork stories, but the thing is, is my computer version, the you know, the version that I have digitally are usually in better better format than they are in a free comic. And when I get a free comic, I still want to read a new story. I don't want to read a story that I've already read and it's in an inferior format. Especially when you look at what Herms are, is bringing out as well. They are crisp. What Herms yeah, is bringing it, out. Yeah. Anyway, moving on. I think a lot of listeners, um, if you could go back in time and at the start of this conversation, just, you know, skip, 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 oh. <laughs> because you'd have heard of a lot of this before. <laughs> yes. Anyway, okay, through 1770, Expedition in the Jungle Part 1. Maybe, maybe they should have called it Welcome to the Jungle. Oh, that would um, be <laughs> yeah, we've got a closing gonna... song now, um, yeah, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so for those who don't know, this is Phantom's World number two. Now, there was a little bit of a discussion on the Fruits Facebook what consists of Phantom's World and whether it includes Eggmont stories or not. So let's keep it really, really short and let's repeat what basically Fruits said. So Phantom's World is not Eggmont stories it is basically stories that are being created outside of the world that most people don't know about, i.e. Italian, uh, Moonstone, American like Charlton, 
Um, also, the the Bastille ones, which are the German ones, the Brazil ones, which we have got both of those in the um, uh, Alias special, as well as the Turkish ones. Now, they do not include the Indonesian creator comics because they were not copyright apparent. They were not licensed for King Features. So that gives you a bit of an idea what Phantom's World is. It is not Egmont stories, whether they're the past or the current Egmont stories. They, these are the, the stories that most people do not know about that would almost be lost to the world, I guess. So that, that explains what Phantom's World is. Now, in this story, part one and part two, which is 1770 and 1771, we actually have a story that has never been published before. And I was just about to ask about that. So how does that fit into your Fandom's World premise? Um, Because it's not not a Brazilian or an Italian or a what what is this? Well, it was originally originally created for Sparta, which is the Italian and French um, uh, publication. And for whatever reason, it didn't get published. Um, And then uh, it kind of got half-finished. Do we and know then, when? When uh, it does say in the actual comic. Now you're making me quickly skim. But if you read yeah, the, I've just gone to the message to the publisher as well. Comic, um, it does say like when it was originally, you know, to be drawn and and, and stuff like that. So it was um, it was initially initially for the Sparta. Um, and then it was even, um, and then basically, yeah, so basically for whatever reason it didn't get um, published in Sparta and then the story was kind of half finished. But they had the script, the artwork and stuff like that and then filming finished off the story. So that's why if you look at the art, you'll notice there's difference in the art because the art has been done like 10, 15, 20 years apart. And then even the script, there's a little bit of, you can see a little bit of change in the script, which Dudley does mention as well. So let's just focus on the first part. So what did you guys think about the first part? Yeah, was, I thought it was yeah. um, um, just a, you know, it was a nice, fun story. Um, I like the opening, how it's got um, you know, uh, the Phantom wrestling with, with the young bloke there. Um, you know, it looks like a bit of jungle training. Um then while they're resting, here comes the Tom Tom. So once again, it's, it's those elements that um, we talked about in, in Fish Water, I think. Um, you know, the, the, the traditional elements that help make the Phantom the Phantom, and, you know, and, mm. and that sort of thing. Um, there was something else I was going to mention, but I, I can't think of it at the moment. Sorry. Well, I'll just I'll chip in here and, and yeah. say like the reason why I asked about when it was done was because. Um, it, it feels like Felmang was really on top of his game for me. Yeah, yeah. When reading through, like the, the artwork is really, really nice. I really enjoyed it. And this for me is some of Felmang. This, this is the sort of Phantom that I think of when I think of Felmang's Phantom. Um, yes, it's kind of it, it's a little bit reminiscent of Cy Barry and his work in some of the in some of the things, but obviously still distinct uh, distinctly his. Um, so I don't feel like it was something that he knocked up in the last fortnight or so. Um, without being rude, I think I think that um, you know we all get old and, and things change and whatever. But um, I think that this was this is some of yeah filming's really clean. It's really nice work. 
yeah, looks and, like something from the seventies or eighties, just judging by the, mm, the yeah, the and I, that's where it was was created. And it's typical filming, just going on with Dan said, it's got a not overly muscular phantom, beautiful girls without being over sexualized. Yes, and um. And, and I think that is when Felmang's at his best. So I, 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 the story was neither there or neither there or, or, or whatever for me. The story was fun, but for me, I enjoyed the art. And 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 I, I agree with that completely. Like it's a it's a good solid. Uh, there's someone missing. Phantom's going to go and look for them. It's in the Borneo jungle, so he's got to go to a different jungle. But somehow the tribes there have still heard of him, which is just completely appropriate and um yeah just the just the the sequence of events that unfolds is, is typically phantom but um but new so it, mm. i enjoyed that aspect of it and the cover well the covers yeah. covers are great yeah and i and i think i've i've said to you in a um in a message or something that um i'm very glad that i'm a um uh, subs- uh Signature Series subscriber at the moment because there's some really cool covers coming out with some um, really cool artists as well. Mm. Anything you want to add, Steve? No, no, she's all good. I think we've covered it all. Cool. What so, about um, the, um, the 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 tribute to Felmang and that the, the the bit of a write up to him that's in seventy seventy one? We mentioned it already, but I think that was um, really good to see. Um, a little bit of a behind-the-scenes look at, at who is this that has been producing such great artwork for us. Mm, definitely, it's it's good, and I enjoy some of the um, like the cut, like the photos of him, some yeah. of the art that he's done for some, you know, the recent stuff. But then, like some of the little preview images that we may see as covers as well. Um, and it was good. And then we've got the filming Friolas. Fruitology, which was which was which was a nice touch as well, and I guess it, it's good. It, it the advantage of having these smaller um, stories is that it gives them the ability to either to add a Heart of Darkness or a Charlton or, or something else like that, or pad it with information that is going to uh, give the Phantom Reader some knowledge about the character and about the artists and the creators and stuff like that as well. Yeah, cool. All right, shooting along. Man, we're doing good today. We have through 1771, which is Expedition in the Jungle, Part 2, which is Part 2 of the previous issue. It, um, another another solid, really enjoyable cover by... Uh, cover by Romano Felmain. Um and then it's and then it kind of follows on. Now, uh, Steve, did you notice kind of like a difference in the art and the script style with part two? Um, I probably would if I hadn't had a copy to look at. I haven't been to the shop yet. Mate. That's right. I wasn't supposed to throw you under the deep end, then, was <laughs> I? Yeah. Sorry, uh, I... <laughs> We are recording day. on the day. This is today's the day that uh, 1771 came out. So you had to be uh, probably less festive last night to <laughs> go and pick this story up today. That, that's yes. <laughs> yes, Dan. 
Uh, yeah, oh, look, I can't say that I did particularly. I think if I if I had just read the two of them and as one story and not thought about it too much more, I probably wouldn't have really noticed um, a big difference between the stories um, mm. and the artwork between the two. It probably is a little bit more detailed and that sort of thing in the background um, of seventy one, but um, no, I think I think it uh, runs together as a, as a whole story pretty well. Yeah, it does, and um, I think. Phil Mung's done a great job in merging the two. And I don't know whether he had a synopsis of part two or whether he just made it up or whatever, but I think it um I think it works quite well. Um the art's still solid. I don't think it's as yeah. good as part one, just in my personal opinion. But it's still some of felt in my opinion, some of Phil Mang's better, more recent work. I'd agree with that. Um, what do you think about uh, Miss Bailey getting um, a little, you know, getting a little bit cosy with the fan on page twenty-three, giving him a, a nice little, a nice little kiss, bit, you know, um, a bit like some of the old folk stories as well, which is, you know, we're all talking about how they have little folk yeah. little touches. Yep, and 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 I like how he's got that little. Uh, I don't understand what's going on. Why are you kissing me? But he does also say, and if I, I'm not sure I can find the page. Uh, earlier, yeah, on page 18, um, uh, the the shaman there is saying, "Oh, I can't, I can't even see a white woman," and the phantom says, "You must be crazy if you can't um, stand the sight of Susan." So he clearly acknowledges that she's, uh, you know, someone who's at least nice to look at. <laughs> he is a human. Yes. <laughs> so very <Ordinary> man. <laughs> yes. What did you think about the Charlton story? Have you uh, let's let's have you do both of you know what the Charlton stories are? Have you read them all or got I'm the comics? Sure, I think I've read I've read a few of them. I've just yeah, come I'm in the them. same boat. Yeah. Certainly certainly aware of them and um, seen them, but not read all of them. Yeah. So for those who don't know who are going Charlton, what on earth are these guys talking about now? Um, but, so you've got in the 70, no, 60s, 70s, I think it was, um, there was three companies, uh, Gold American, Key, King, you're talking about. Yep, American companies, Gold Key, King, and then Charlton, who released Phantom Comics. Now, they, three separate publishers, but they went in order. So, like, they went one to... I think it was 16 and 17 to um, 27. Then I think 28 and 29 got missed, or 29 got missed, and then Charlton started at 30. So what Charlton did is they created uh, a comic, and you know normal 20 odd pages comics, and then they had like three short stories in it, and then this was one of the stories. Now, in my opinion, the art actually looks better in black and white than it was done in colour. Now you so can, you've seen this one in colour. Yeah, I've, I've got all of those. And Herms has also released the King, Gold Key and okay. Charlton issues in hardback as well, which is worth getting because some of the stories are good. Some of the art is amazing, especially like some of the, um, the covers by uh, George Wilson um, and some of the interior artwork by Don Newton and some others as well is absolutely top-notch. Some of the best artwork from that era you would probably see, including DC and Marvel or whatever they were called back then as well. So the artwork is 
is very good for that period. So if you've got a, if you've got a few bob and you don't want to pick up the single issues, most of the time you can only get them from America. I would recommend getting the Herms uh, books because, you know, there's some good stuff in there. So this is one of the stories. What did you think about the story in particular? Well, oh, I, it was really clearly of its time. It published in 1972, mm. and, and I really liked how Jill uh, Ramy, when he, you know, was was the benefit of a bit of phantom um, philanthropy and, and sent away to school and that sort of thing, turned into a hippie, and he's wearing the peace sign and that sort of thing, and um, almost becomes, uh, well, you know, he's, he's doing the Black Panther sign in a couple of uh, panels and that sort of thing, so he's really taken on some of those political messages when he got to uni and all that sort of stuff in America. Um, so it's very, very clearly of that time. Um, I really enjoyed all of that. Um, it, it, it was too short, I thought, you know, for, for, that was mm. probably the failing of it. It was, it, it, because it was so short, it missed all of the action. Um, missed all of the phantom. All you see is an arm coming around a shoulder, or, or and that's about it. That's the only way you, that you know that he's tearing through this small gang that has gone back to raid the Skull Cave. Um, so that that was a bit uh, that was a bit of a shame. Um, the art the art's nice enough. Um, probably not my favourite stuff, um, but it was interesting to see a couple of couple of interesting things I got out of the message to the publisher as much as anything that. Um, the author John Gill just would have ripped this out in a in a morning tea break, basically the way that he that he wrote stories. So that was interesting to know, and um, also to to see that something like this, Brew has purchased on eBay. They saw the the art come up on eBay and have picked it up, and then now they uh, they own it and can release it in comic form for all of us to see. So um, yeah, I, th- I thought that was interesting of itself. Yeah. Um, it raises a good discussion whether you, if you buy the art, whether you actually own the rights to publish it. I'm not sure if that's a discussion for another uh, episode, but um, I would have still thought I would have had to um, get permission from King Features um, just because, you know, you, uh, you brought the art. I don't know if that actually gives you the right to publish it. It could be wrong, but, um, yeah. Yeah, well, that's because obviously Fru have the license to publish Phantom stories, and this mm. is a Phantom story that's already been published, and now they have the original art. So, yeah, I don't know whether you'd have to specifically give them a call and say, "Hey, we picked this up on eBay. Can we put it in the back of um, of a Phantom's world?" Yeah, it's an interesting one, but um, yeah, now it's um, I'm just trying to think if there's anything else that is. Oh yes. There's one one other thing in here that I would want to quickly briefly mention. On page 31, it has a bit of a uh, another page, which I guess this is the good thing about having shorter stories, is it gives you information to add or little bits, little tidbits that you can kind of add. It's got a little bit of information about the uh, Italians. Um, uh, so it talks about how the first the, ever Phantom comic that was published. Yeah, so it says the world's first Phantom comic came out in September 1936, just seven months after the debut of the comic strip in American newspapers. So, um, yeah, so the actual, so in doing a bit of research, we've we've all done a little bit of, I'll just briefly mention it, and then what we'll do is we'll do a more in-depth 
uh, Chronicle Chamber post probably in the next couple of weeks, um, where it's talking about it was published in a comic, which was, um, where was it? So it was published in a comic of comic strip. So it was, so this time where they're talking about it, this is, all right, short story short is, this is talk. So the the the, the comic in the bottom. Short story. Yeah. Short story. Uh, short is that the comic in the bottom right hand corner uh, is is traditionally known as the first proper Phantom comic. It isn't. Um, in the description, whoever wrote this is talking about is where it was put as a backup feature in a, a comic which featured like a whole bunch of stories, a bit like a comics review. That is debatable whether it is actually a, a, a comic or not, because what it was, it was kind of like a supplement. So uh, it was, some people call it a comic. A lot of people don't call it a comic, and some people just call it a, a collection of strips stapled together. So... Um, it's interesting they've kind of discussed this. They've kind of raised this. Um, I don't want to take too much time on the podcast, so we will go into a little bit more details in a article, um, and then we can kind of go from there. Um, but it kind of does lead on where Salvador, if you look at the back cover, has released a um, uh, an image of the Phantom, which is very Ray Moore-ish, with Salvador's signature type elements kind of added to it and we have got some information that this is actually going to be part of the trading card series so what did you uh so we've we've we wrote an article about this on the website so do you have guys have anything you just wanted to kind of touch upon that what do you think what do you think about that you think it's a, a good idea or i think first up they um probably need to go back to just putting the Ripley's Believe It or Not in the back of the comics if it's going to cause this much controversy, having a, a one-page article about which is the first Phantom comic. Um, but in, in terms of the trading cards, I think it's a fantastic idea. Um, it's, a, it's a shame we didn't get the trading card, and I, we're going to touch on that, but it's a shame we didn't get the trading cards well, we first. Might well, then... We might as well touch about the trading cards now. It was in the schedule. Yeah. Uh, no, if this is an example of what the trading cards are going to look like and, um, you know, Flag in the background, here's what he looks like in that country at that time and the big date there, and that's one of the cards that you can collect. Oh, I welcome it. I look forward to it. I can't wait and uh, bring it on. Yes. So at this time, we don't have a date when the training cards are going to be released, but it's it's good to see a little bit of information released about it, which will continue to whet our appetite as we eagerly await them. Yeah, I wonder, I wonder how official, uh, or because this was just off Sal Valudo's, um Facebook post that we we got a little bit of information. So I wonder how um, how much he was allowed to say anything. But it does say on the the Phantom Gallery Series promo card, which was in the 80th, and I'm, I'm holding it right now. Uh, the series is coming this Christmas, so uh, sometime in the next 10 days, this is going to come out. I look forward to it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think it will be this Christmas. Um, did, it, did it say this Christmas or next Christmas? It says Christmas? this Christmas. <laughs> um, yeah, it won't be this Christmas, unfortunately, because uh, most people have probably already brought, have spent their phantom allocated money for this Christmas. 
sadly true. <laughs> you you spent yours what six months ago, didn't you? Still playing it off. <laughs> and for the next six yeah. months. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so while we're discussing, where are they? Uh, there was something else you wanted to uh, give a hint on when you want some more information about it, Dan. Oh, the colouring books. That was um, that was again uh, the colouring in books, which we we talked about. Oh, Probably last time we had a comics and news podcast, but uh, I was I was certainly very hopeful that they'd be available for Christmas as well because there's a, a special spot in each of my children's Christmas stockings waiting for a coloring book to slide in. Um, that was that was the idea. So hopefully again, you know, we're, we're still a week and a half away from the big day, so hopefully they'll turn up. Um, I won't hold my breath, but uh, yeah, I, ho- I hope to see them sooner rather than later. But it has gone very quiet on those, so we'll see. Hmm. Yes. All right, moving on. So we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a preview oh, section. Sorry? Flash Gordon? Oh, Flash. Oh, don't no, worry Flash about Flash Gordon and King's Cross. <laughs> it's... So Dan's, Dan's jumped off the old King's Cross bandwagon. Oh, it's... It's, it's not a good series. Well, actually, no, it is. It's going no, back. It's We've got, um, was it Jeff Parker? He's back on board now writing the, writing the story. Oh, I do anyone like Jeff with, Parker. Anyone with the last name Parker has to be decent. <laughs> <laughs> First initial J, it's just sorted. Now, isn't it? <laughs> it's actually my pen name. <laughs> so what did you think you about it, Steve? Um, I liked it. I really, um, I really did. And, like... Um, I know it's like a it's a Flash Gordon branded um, story, but um, even on the cover you've got the Phantoms, plural, um, and Mandrake there, and and we thought we'd seen the last of Ming, but no, he's back. And I, I do well. I'll talk about the cover first. Um, it really um, is a good tribute to their um, to the newspaper strip origins um, to see the, the the four you know good guy characters bursting out of the out of the front page of a newspaper. So I really like that idea. Um, then mm. you, know, you open up the the comic and say, "Oh, there's Ming." You know, we thought he got rid of, but um, you can't keep a good bad guy down. That's why they're a good bad guy. So, um, and, and you know, it all harkens back to well, King's Quest and and, and um, uh, oh, King's Watch and King's Quest and and um, the other little mini series that have been going on. And um, then we've got the Phantoms, and they've burst into the. Um, which also have the extra element of the um, the overcoat. I don't know if there's a hat or anything there flying off now, but they've got the, um, you know, sometimes I walk the streets like an um, ordinary person and um, lots of people wear overcoats still. So, but it's another nice, another nice little touch. And, um, yeah, and it's good to see um, Jen actually coming into the role now. She's... She's no longer that. She's the phantom one. now. Yeah, she's no longer that whiny. I can't do it. She whacks that bloke with a with a fantastic um, right cross straight to the uh, straight to his forehead. So you're not going to leave that. Not going to lose that uh, skull mark any anytime soon. Um, um, so yeah, it was a great introduction to the story to have the the, the phantoms coming in and and um, not taking any um, rubbish from anyone. Does she still have yeah. her hair out the back of a cowl somehow? Uh, yeah, this it's done be... a little bit better though, isn't it? Yeah, you can, it actually makes sense. It's not like a hoodie. No, 
No, it's actually a, a proper phantom uniform. And like there must be something the, to hold to put the ponytail through. Yeah, the, the artwork's a lot better as well, I reckon. Yeah, very much so. And then... Oh, now... Yeah. Sorry, you keep going and I'll, I'll give the, it a plug. The transition to, to Mandrake scenario I thought was excellent too. You know? Got Xanadu there and you've got all these... Um, um, I'm going to call them special effects, but, you know, all these, all these magic type stuff. Um, and I like it how it's not just, you know, um, gesturing hip, or whatever he says, just gesturing hypnotic. Gesturing hypnotic. Yep. Yeah. It, he's, he's a magician, you know, he has these powers and, and it's, it's great. Well, I, yeah, I really like what they've done uh, with Mandrake, what they've been able to do now that they've got, now they do have two phantoms, um, how they're going to develop it. And they look like they're, as, as much as they can, they're, they're going, they're putting those traditional elements into it, even though it's a very mm. much a modern take. Mm. I, I agree. The, the things that I like along with those things is that the humour's back in the story. Yeah. Um, the characters are handled respectfully. The art is better. Who's the um, Four names down the bottom. We've got Jesse Ham is the drawer, coloured by Grace Allison. So I think now we, I was very vocal against the last one, the last probably two that were you know weren't that top notch. Now remember we when we last touched upon it, I said I hadn't even bothered reading part five. Now I did go after Steve said no no, no it's get better it gets better it gets better. I did go back and read part five and then read this part. And this part, um, King's Cross, is better with Jeff Parker. They just need to keep Jeff Parker. He's, yeah. you know, he actually knows how to handle all of the, the characters respectfully and do the story so every fan, of whether you're a fan of Mandrake, The Phantom, or Flash, you will enjoy the stories because the characters are actually treated with respect. So, uh, you know, although it may seem like it's real, real quick to jump on and off, the series is starting to look good again. All right. Well, you may have convinced me. I'll, I'll pick it up and, and have a look. Yes, you will have to do that. And once again, like it's my usual argument with these um, American stories that they're too short. And half the comics were mm. bad, um, but the the last panel is like a full page panel. You know, you know that some good things are going to come. You know, there's an interesting story to to be had here. Yeah, you know, like sometimes like you read one and then it's just kind of like, oh, what what did we actually learn from this? And it's like you're not waiting to get the next story, get the next comic. But with this one, with the full page, beautiful last panel. You know they're about to go into something that's going to land them, you know, neck deep in stuff that's not going to be nice. You are waiting for the next part so you can read it. Yeah, it's going to hit the fan and hit it hard. So mm. so the, we're only one episode into this new King's Cross series? Yeah, so still early, but um, it's worth picking up. I'll have a talk so, to my local comic book store and see if they can get it in for me. And some of the covers are good as well. Oh, oh, there's yeah. a lot of variants. Uh, well, it's well some of them are nice. Like you don't always have to pick <laughs> up the, but you know, you, 
I don't know about you guys, but I only pick them up if they're actually nice, or if I actually like the look of them and go, oh yeah, that will look nice in my collection. Well, I always um, say that with the um with my uh, local comic shop, but they don't always get them in. So, <laughs> <laughs> like cover D, that cover D is really good. I I, I like that one because you know yeah. found, found taking the front and center of the um of the of the picture of the frame, looking very muscular and in charge, and everyone else is kind of like around him. I just like it when yeah. it looks like he's in charge, especially when it's somebody else's comic. <laughs> yes, definitely agree. All right, yeah, Steve, anything you want to add further to that, buddy? No, nah, I'm good. Okay, so let's get on to some previewing. Now, we are, the only reason we really do a preview is because Fru actually did post this. So you want to quickly touch upon it. And then, obviously, we will discuss it in a little bit more detail in the next uh, comics uh, review. So, first of all, uh, there was the Christmas special. So, Dan, it looks like your idea fell flat on its face again of a nice festive cover. Yes. Yeah, no, that was a, that was a shame. Um, people may or may not know that in about May or June, I thought I'll... I'll send this in nice and early so there's plenty of time to get this done and uh, I, I sent a letter into the forum suggesting that it would be fantastic to see a, um, a phantom festive Christmas scene you know the the Walker family gathered around the Christmas tree or some such um, on the on the cover of the Christmas special this year um, I've been rewarded with a sprig of holly uh, next to the fru symbol so <laughs> Uh, that's uh, did you do that slightly... in the past, anyway. Yeah, they did. Well, um, they but... they did do like the they used to have like a um I've done one or two covers where like you know the little scene out of little Tomer, yes, or little Tom or whatever. Yeah, so yeah. they've done that once. They've done yeah. the like a little. That, that is the single most um, Christmas yeah. cover that they've they've done really. In the early nineties, they've um. Well, around when that was, but, uh, I think it was one, one, two, three. I think it was from memory. They've got like the phantom with like a Christmas hat off, which is tucked in the corner, like the holly. Yep. But yep. I, I must admit, I completely agree with you that the cover. Don't get me wrong, is fabulous as a cover, but we need something Christmassy. Oh, the, the no. cover that they've that, that, that they're issuing is a fantastic cover. It really is. And on on a comic that's at any point in the time, yeah. Beautiful. I'd love it as a poster, to be honest. It looks really, really good. Um, so no arguments there. But, you know, I'd just like to see a Christmas cover. I really would. And Sal Deludo um, in particular um, it tends to post a lot of Phantom Christmas artwork at about this time of year. And some of the yes. stuff that he does is fantastic. And and you could commission him for a piece or, or ask for permission to use one of those pieces that he's already published. And it would just pop off the shelf uh, in a news agent at this time of year, and I'm sure that you'd get mums and dads going, "Oh, I remember that," and it's Christmassy, and I'll, and you know, I mentioned the Christmas stockings before. It's a, it'd be the fantastic uh, little issue to shove in the in the kids' Christmas stocking, and um, you know, with this issue going to be completely in colour, you're going to drag some kids in with those sorts of uh, those sorts of comic books. So um, exactly. Yeah. Exactly. Totally agree. For once, we're all in an agreement. I remember those images you're talking about, Sal. I remember two. He's done one with the fan, with the phantom crouching <laughs> next to Devil. Devil's got a, a Christmas hat on. 
Uh, and then another one which I really like is the is the typical classic phantom pose with the jungle in the background. And then there's the little the little I think he's got a hat on a Christmas hat. And in the skyline there's like a yes. Santa flying in the distance. With flying his over the skull cave. Yep. Yeah, you know, something like that will just, you know, and, and you could have big words, have a fantastic Christmas with a PH, yes. something. And, and this is the one opportunity you can get away with having a cheesy colour. Yeah, that's it's exactly Christmas. right. And I reckon, yeah. So I agree. Oh, we're all in agreement there. Um, 2017, nice bring it on. Yes, 2017 Christmas cover has already been sorted and we deserve a <laughs> shout-out for it. Absolutely. <laughs> okay, so the other one which they've discussed is the 2017 annual, which, as our detective work was correct, is going to be the Girl Phantom annual, or maybe more politically correct, the Female Phantom annual. Or the Phantom that I, just happens to be a female this time. Yeah. It's still the Phantom. Yeah. I can understand I can understand why they've called it Girl Phantom because there was a an American and it's either Charlton or Gold Key or King, but there was a Girl Phantom titled story published by one of those three. And um, yeah. I've read the this interview with the author of that who was a female herself and um it's it's a it's great. But I do think that Female Phantom would have been better. The alliteration works. Um, it was the title of the 1952 Lee Fork story that started the whole thing too. So I just, I, between that and um, the unfortunate rear cover, um, I think that there's a bit of an opportunity missed here in terms of getting it exactly right, and I think this could fall a little bit flat with some of the um, uh, female fans. Yeah, I think the front cover does help because the front cover is amazing. Oh, it, it shows Now, when I see the... And the thing that I like about it is that it doesn't show... And this is the problem where a lot of characters and artists go wrong, is that a female superhero is not a supermodel or a porn star. She is a fit, athletic, still be attractive person who kicks butt and looks good while doing it now in my opinion the front cover captures that in spades i agree the back cover fails a lot in my opinion that you know if you are a female fan or a superhero you're not going to have flotation devices like that um I'm just try, I'm trying to keep this as PG as possible. <laughs> and, she, just, and she doesn't look I, athletic at all. No, she doesn't. She looks like a porn star, let's be truthfully honest. Uh, which is a bit of a miss, as you say. I think the girl phantom, I can kind of understand, because you've got Supergirl, um, you know, it, it, it's kind of like very similar. Obviously, you've got Wonder Woman, which doesn't use the word girl, but... Yeah. I can understand that. I think that's a bit... I'm kind of sitting on the fence with that. But I love the fact that it is pulling all of those stories. It's got a Lee Fork story. It's using a Lee Fork uh, creation, so it's paying homage to that. And some of the stories that, I, that I've that i been told that they're going to be collecting in there 
uh, some great stories, and I think it will be um, a great annual. I'm going to be actually opening it and reading it. <laughs> so you'll have to get two this time around because you're going to open one and, and still have to keep one. Yeah, exactly. You know, so they've they've already made an extra sale out of me. <laughs> No, I, I agree. This is a, a really, really good theme, a clever theme um, to, to run with the annual. I think it's going to be really, really popular. Um, my two little quibbles with in terms of the rear cover and the use of the word girl, um, the rest of it, um, I, I cannot wait to, to see all of these stories. And, you know, I'll get to um issues as well so i can open one up and there's no doubt that i'm going to be um sharing those with my daughters and you know really highlighting the you know you too could be the phantom there's no doubt about that yeah that's it you know you can um and it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether they do include that article you were talking about of the female who created that you know just and you know lee fork was ahead of his time in the in the sense that he was giving women equal opportunity amongst men back in the 50s. Now, I don't know when Supergirl and Wonder Woman and all that was created. Was I, I checked up then. on that. Wonder Woman was before, but Supergirl and Batgirl were both after. See, there you go. So he was fairly ahead of his time. Um, and it was before women's lib and, you know, the burning of the bras and all that other type of stuff as well. Oh, well, I tell you what, the um, girl on the back cover better not burn her bra or she'll fall over. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and and I, I should point out that their criticism of that, like we've already commented today on um, the overly muscular phantom and, and um, the steroid and all the rest of it. We don't like that, you know, overly exaggerated. He is an ordinary man or an ordinary woman in this case. Um, who's just like you said, like a, a super fit and athletic, and um, the sort of person who would not look out of place marching into the the stadium for the Olympic Games because they are just at that peak physical fitness without being this this exaggeration or, or of of that perfection. But Dan, you can still look good doing it. Oh, as if you're not checking out the athletes as they walk into the <laughs> Olympic Stadium. <laughs> Have you watched beach volleyball, my friend? <laughs> I can take it you have. Uh, anyway, getting back on track, um, there's some other great stories as well um, that are being penciled in for the beginning of next year. Um, well, well, before we uh, uh, move off the annual, yes, yeah, I'm just, just looking at the cover there. Are you, um, are you thinking Julie or Heloise? Oh, Julie for me. I don't know. She looks modern, doesn't she? I think the, yeah, the real one I've just put Julie, but on the front, mm, that, that's especially the the bottom picture where um, you know she's unmasked and looks like she's you know, sporting a black eye. That just looks like um, Halloween. Oh, but the, the Phantom is the twenty first Phantom, and the twenty second Phantom is a pipe dream fantasy that only weirdo modernist people are creating. <laughs> so it must be Julie. <laughs> So, um, Steve, that's the bit that you just edit, so we'll just beep that out like you did the last one. Um, but, no, you raise a good point. But, yeah, I, I really enjoy, the, I really enjoy the, um, uh, the front cover. Now, here's a quick question. Colour or black and white? For the cover, because we've seen it both yeah. versions. Yeah, because we've seen both versions. We've seen the original black and white, 
which we posted on the website, and then we've seen the colour which Fro did. Which version do you prefer? You don't want to be a fence sitter? Because they're both awesome, mate. <laughs> Sitting on the fence. Dan? Look, of the two that we've seen, I prefer the black and white because we've seen it, and I think, though, because we've seen it in higher resolution and, um, you know, you, you can blow that up and it's full screen, whereas if you blow up the colour version on full screen, it becomes blurry and all the rest of it. I probably want to reserve judgment until I'm actually holding it in my hands and can have a look at it in real life because I, mm. I, I do think that the, the colour version is going to be awesome. True, true. Very uh, politically correct. Um, I'm, I'll make a bold statement saying none of my uh, fellow podcast uh, colleagues are, are prepared to do it. I just I did. I prefer the black and white. <laughs> <laughs> the black and white, in my opinion, stands out uh, better and will look better on a news agent shelf, in my well, opinion. You just you go and print that out no, of glossy paper so and get a glue stick and stick it to the front of back. your annual. You go. Can't go back, Dan. Can't go back, Dan. <laughs> I'm not going stay, back. <laughs> stay sitting on the fence if you're... I didn't sit on the fence. You're just making things up. <laughs> Listener, skip backwards three or four times and listen again to what I said. I said that I like the black and white now, but I think the colour is going to look better in, in real life. <laughs> All right. A what couple about, of other things. What about seeing the eyes? <laughs> well, yeah. I don't know. I don't really think that bothers me. That doesn't bother me. I had one. I'm not going to sleep over it. I had one person. I asked one person, "What do you think about them seeing in the eyes?" Because I asked a few people, and they said, "Well, it's not the real phantom, so it doesn't matter." So yeah. <laughs> they're not going to die. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, okay. And I, so... I don't think we would have seen the phantom's eyes on any cover before, would we? Like we've seen them. Uh, like the Bill Legante, obviously, famously in Samaris 12, but um, cover? on the front cover, I don't think that's ever happened before. Yeah, you could be right. Could be right. But, yeah, but I, I think that's probably a discussion more about the annual. We don't want to review the annual too much. Mm. Um, so just quickly talking about the preview before we get into some more news. Um, a couple of the other stories which I'm really excited about is the Lou Manor one which um, with some of the interior artwork that through was published, oh, my gosh, it is amazing. And the other one which I'm really excited about is another filming at one of at probably one of the best stories ever created from an artistic point of view is The Wedding Gifts. Now, I believe this story has not been published by through because of some of the interior artwork of the, some nudity scenes. And Fru has confirmed that it will not be censored. So the thing that I'll be interested in that is if they're going to put like a, uh, a note for parents in the message from the Phantom or something like that. So a couple well, you need very... to put it, you almost need to put it on the front cover because um, mm-hmm. otherwise yeah, lots of people would skip over the message from the publisher. Yeah, especially after we tell them to as well. <laughs> I don't. I say read so. it. Out <laughs> um, of the year over here. <laughs> yeah, so it will be um, so it will be interesting seeing some of that stuff. So the Lou Manor one will be in colour, which will be another cool feature. With the Christmas special, I think we quickly made mention of that as well. Yeah. 
So, yeah, so it's looking like an exciting end to the year and an exciting start of 2017, um, which will be very, very good, and we will discuss it in full later on. We just wanted to kind of briefly touch upon it, get you know, get you excited for the new year. So, moving on. And that's on where to I think, and I think I mentioned it, it was almost like last weekend, uh, someone at Fru was searching through a desk drawer and discovered the password to their Facebook account and started posting things left, right and centre. And, gee, that yes. was a, an exciting couple of days because the, the previews and stuff, and that's why we're talking about it now, because um, they've teased us with some stuff that's just really exciting and I can't wait to see it. Yes. I think I think, um, I think you make a very valid point that Fru need to be posting stuff on Facebook fairly regularly. Yeah. Um, I think what we've kind of discussed in uh, about a future podcast doing a one-year review of the new free crew, so maybe we can uh, do that and actually discuss <laughs> Just put them on notice it. for the next two months. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but, um, but yeah, no, I, I think you're right. It's great to see through using social media to uh, communicate with their fans. You it know, didn't generate buzz, months. So. Oh, it did, it did. The fruit letters have, uh, has been a great start, and then I think Facebook posts will kind of bring it up even more. No worries. All right, we've kind of tried going there three times. Let's go back to the news section. So um, there's so we'll quickly touch upon the Christmas presents. If you haven't seen the Facebook post, we did a bit of a, a post kind of giving people a bit of an idea of what they can uh, – buy for Christmas. Now, Christmas is almost upon us, so you may be run out of time, but there's always, I don't know, a New Year present or a future Father's Day or a future birthday present, but it's a great post that a few of us uh, got stuck into and had fun creating. So, uh, I, I arch- did enjoy that um, uh, Dudley tried to follow the, the theme in issue 771. 1771, in his message, he went through all of the possibility things that you could buy um, on the Fru website, uh, almost all of which we, we had mentioned as well. So uh, yeah. trying to keep up there. To be honest, I reckon he probably wrote that before us. <laughs> yeah, You're almost certainly right. Uh, <laughs> we got <laughs> out there, so we'll claim it. Um, <laughs> so, Dan, uh, do you want to give us a, a, a brief running commentary about the art show? Oh, look, I, uh, yes, I'll, just really quickly because um, there's a fairly extensive um, article on the website that people should go oh, and check cool. out. Sorry? <laughs> there's a few articles. Yeah, there are a few articles, but about the Tweed show opening in particular was really, really cool and provided uh, unashamedly one of the highlights of um, my fandom fan collecting life because uh, Peter Kingston, who's a co-curator, was kind enough on the Sunday to ask me to sit with him at the front of the at the front of the talk and, and discuss all things Phantom in front of a, a crowd of people. Um, and, you know, the the, the, the gallery owners and, and managers were coming up to say, so who are you? And the best answer I could give was that I'm a writer for chroniclechamber.com and that was the only answer that made sense. And um, <laughs> for suddenly that to be how I'm introducing myself was just a little bit surreal. And um, really, really enjoyed that. It was really good to talk to a, a bunch of fan of fans. I went around on the on the Saturday night and particularly talked to anyone who was wearing a Phantom shirt or um, seemed to be checking out the exhibits a little bit more closely than just the casual 
art fan and um, to talk to, and and they were they're all folkists they're all people who really love the old stuff and um, to to connect with that world and and to talk to a bunch of people who you don't see on Facebook and that sort of thing was was a lot of fun so really really enjoyable um, I recorded and and you can see on the, the web page the video of the um, of Dame Quentin Bryce and her husband Michael Bryce um, speaking at the opening they were hilarious they were really 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 entertaining um, did a lot of good stuff. So you can go and check out that video there. I've also put that on audio and recorded as well the, speed, the, the talk that Peter and, and myself gave on the Sunday, and that'll come out as a podcast sometime early in the new year. But if you're anywhere in northern New South Wales or southern Queensland, uh, you've got until the end of February to get down to Mwillimbar um, and check out the, the Phantom Art Show at the Tweed, and um, you should definitely do that. It was, it was a lot of fun to to, to get along to they, they're doing some uh, kids days uh, where they've got costumes that uh, you, your kids can put on and, and walk around the exhibit dressed as the phantom and it just sounds like it's going to be a whole lot of fun those days as well so um, get into it if you can no worries yeah thank you for doing that um Stephen, do you want to quickly talk about the competitions that we've got running which there will be posts up on the website as well Yep. Um, well, the first one that's um, well, it's already been posted up on the on the website now. Um, it's Dan's baby, but I'll I'll take it off him. Um, it's the Sammy J competition, Spot the Phantom. So um, anyone who's listened to us for the last six months knows how much of a fan we are of Sammy J, and 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 that's because not just because he's a, a fun bloke and a funny fella, he's also a mad Phantom fan. Um, and his TV show that he did with um, his puppet mate Randy, um, Sammy J and Randy and Ricketts Lane is back on ABC iView. And the competition, and I'll, I'll read it straight off the website, is it Spot the Phantom uh, competition. So, um, as we reported late last week, Australian comedian and unashamed Phantom fan Sammy J has recently made a couple of big announcements regarding, oh, that's about his hero complex, so you can hear about that later. So, the challenge is, watch all six. So that's not many episodes, just six episodes of Sammy J and Randy and Ricketts Lane on ABC iView. Count the amount of shots in which the Phantom or an associated collectible, collectible item appears, including but not limited to comic books, posters, busts, figurines, mugs. Email Chronicle Chamber. Now, do we have an email address? Yes. Right. Um, yeah. if, you, if you click that link, the email will come through. Oh, okay. ChronicleChamber <laughs> at gmail.com. Right, so click on the link to um to email and so what was what was the website again? Chroniclechamber at gmail dot com. Okay. Yep. Entries close February sixth, so and that's when the series is removed from iView. So you got until That's right. Um you got the next oh, what's that? Month and a half really. Um all correct entries will be placed into a hat and winners are drawn on a Facebook video on uh February seventh. The winner's prize will be some sweet Sammy J merch, specifically uh, signed limited edition hero complex poster um, and it's that easy and of course um, ineligible to enter uh, chroniclechamber.com employees and relatives and Duncan Munro <laughs> poor Duncan poor Duncan <laughs> yeah right <laughs> and, and he's I a, was he's a cop, you know he'll come knocking on your door now <laughs> I was lucky enough to catch up with Sammy J after one of his Brisbane shows. Just this, like, like it's been a massive Phantom weekend, to be honest with you. Um, I saw him on Friday night and um, had a chat, and we confirmed the competition. And 
the, the posters that he's talking about are from the Melbourne run, from the Melbourne Fringe Festival, and he does have a couple of those tucked away at home. So um, he's they are very limited edition. They are the original run, and um, he will be happy to sign those, and we'll, we'll send those out to anyone who um, takes it. And you will be surprised at how often it uh, the Phantom pops up. Um, just to clarify, not talking about a scene, so it's about every, not not every frame either, but a shot. So if there's a a 10 second shot of the Phantom, uh, sorry, um, for example, in the in the the, the promo clip that I posted on the webpage, um, you're looking at Sammy J talking to Randy uh, sitting on his bed. I think you can see the Phantom on the bedside table as a bust over their shoulder sort of thing. Then the camera shot moves to look at them from the other side. So they're still in the same room. It's still the same scene, but it's a different shot. So that's two, for instance. Um, and in the... And no, no, too, not too many clues, but there's upwards of a, of six to ten uh, shots of the Phantom in just the first episode alone. So um, it's going to be a reasonable number. Awesome. So that will be a good competition. And we'll, like uh, Stephen said, we'll do regular updates and stuff like that as well. But Correct. there was another competition which was released in episode 51, which uh, was an interview that you had, Stevens, with uh, a Phantom fan who, I must admit, that song did grow on me the more and more I listened <laughs> to it. Well, um, well, hopefully it grows on you a bit more there, there uh, Jermaine, and inspires you to, to learn an instrument or, or to sing or, or something. Um, oh, can you imagine Jermaine singing? Oh, my God. <laughs> I would like to sleep. So I won't. <laughs> I, I just love and love that and respect we show each other in this podcast. <laughs> oh. Anyway, um, so the competition is to, if you haven't listened to episode 51 yet, listen to episode 51 and you'll know what we're talking about. Um, so the, the song is for those who came in late, um, written by or performed by Infernal Racket, um, which is a, a Simpsons reference, um, and was written by fan and fan Michael Rowan. Um, and the competition that uh, we're going to we'll, we'll have it running um, in the new year, so probably after the Sammy J one might might uh, suit best. Um, you we're giving. Uh, fan and fans the opportunity to rework or do their own um, the, their own take on the song. So keep the lyrics. The lyrics are, are there, but um, you might make it into a, a nice, warm, heartfelt ballad, or it might be a um, a rock and scar tune or something like that. Or you might just have a bunch of drums and be very percussive. It, it, the, it's really up to you. Um, there's still one judge to be confirmed that. Um, uh, that Michael suggested, and I thought it'd be pretty good, but I won't say that one out loud. Um, but Sammy J has agreed to to be a judge, so um, yeah. So you know, we we got the big names here on this one. So um, and Simon Cowell. Sorry, I, you said you weren't going to say that loud. <laughs> uh, that probably get. <laughs> No, no. So, yeah, for those who fans out there who are a bit more creative or, or um, into uh, music, uh, this is a comp for you. Um, and you don't have to try and record it with any wackadoo equipment. You can just set up your your phone or or your iPad or tablet, whatever you got, and just record a video of yourself performing it. Um, 
So where do they where where do where do people get the lyrics and the music and that sort of thing? Well, the lyrics actually appear in the Mark of Cain issue, but um. Oh when, right, yes, of course they do. Yes. Yeah, but I'll also. But they'll be on the website with they'll the posters. Web- yeah, when the, when the when we get the competition coming up, um, I'll definitely post the the lyrics up. No, good stuff. Now I know there's a I know a few Phantom fans at the top of my head who are uh, musicians as well. We got you, Stephen. Uh, we got Glenn Ford, who's a musician, and we've also got uh, John Cookson, who's also a musician. So um, there's three entries already. I can uh, I expect to see. I, I do look forward to the brass percussion. Sorry, the brass tuba uh, version of uh, for those who came in late. Yeah, heavy, yeah. <laughs> it's my, my running joke that I play heavy metal, I play the tuba. Yep. <laughs> no worries. All right, well, thank you everyone who has been listening to us uh, for this podcast. Um, we had fun recording it and discussing the Phantom as usual, and I hope you had fun uh, listening to it as well and you learned something and you had um uh, it was entertaining for you. So this will be the second last podcast for Christmas, I believe. Is that correct, Steve? Yeah, my, my plan is that um, you're listening to this on the weekend. Um, I'll hopefully have this done, edited and, and out this weekend. That's the plan, which would be the 17th and 18th of December, which Beautiful. leaves us just enough time to bring out a special episode just before Christmas. Which is no halfway, so halfway we, edited now. Yeah, so do you reckon we should give them a bit of a hint of who it is, or should they just wait until they see it in their uh, iTunes feed? No, they can wait. But let's just they say... They can wait? They can wait. It's another interview podcast. We, we can say that much. And um, Dan's running it. <laughs> there you go. Oh, that's frightening. <laughs> and and I'll, give them, I'll give them one more hint. It is... Yeah, that won't be happening. No, yeah, no, no, I think no, that's no. probably too much. Come back and edit this bit out, yeah. uh, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> it's a fantastic interview and one that every fan is going to want to hear. Yep. Yes, totally agree. So let's sign off. But first of all, uh, we wish you all a Merry Christmas and a Happy New Year. We hope that you get plenty of phantom stuff in your Christmas presents uh, and no socks and jocks and other useless stuff like that that you get useful information, useful uh, presents like the Phantom. Um, and, yeah, we hope you have a great year. Thank you for listening to us. And goodbye from me, Dan and Steve. Yeah, cheers, everyone, and Merry Christmas. Banter yeah. and Polo is uh, in the banter tongue. <laughs> have a good one, everyone. Merry Christmas. All right, well, um, I'll run this one because I want it to be as sharp, sharp and quick as possible. So I'll be able to keep us on track. But anyway, I think in rehearsal yeah. I said that this conversation would go for sixty seconds, so I apologise <laughs> yeah. that we're now dragged out. <laughs> yeah, I don't think any any time you say sixty seconds, we normally don't believe that. Um, <laughs> <laughs> quickly, yeah, no, it's not going to be quickly. That mix right, but they're kind of <laughs> missing and not paying, <laughs> and they're not. And then we rock it to Welcome in the Jungle. Oh.